Hey guys, uh, welcome to the Inflated Podcast. And today we have our members Atya, Ravi and Nand on the show. And I'm your host Pranav. Uh, today we'll be talking about uh, Chelsea's currently sacked manager uh, Frank Lampard and the new league appointed manager Thomas Tuchel. And uh, uh, why don't we have an introduction from you guys first, Atya? Hey guys, I'm Aditya. I've been a Barcelona fan since 2013. I actually started supporting the club because I fell in love with the jersey and I also used to play FIFA 14 but I think over time I've uh, started to appreciate the club for the style of football they play and their history and uh, now I even I I'm a huge football fan and I even watch the Premier League Bundesliga Serie A and Ligue 1 as much as possible so uh, I do and I as for today's topic I do love Thomas Tuchel as a coach which is why I feel I would be able to give some good input on this topic Okay that's great. Uh Nand. Yeah, hi guys. My name is Nand. Um I'm a United fan since I can say 2012, so the end of um, Sir Alex's reign. So I don't really know what winning a trophy or something like that is. So what's happening now is a is a nice experience for me. And um yeah, like I've been football obsessed since I'm a kid and um with regards to today's podcast, um I actually rate uh, Frank Lampard which a lot of the others don't. So I think I can give my inputs. Okay great uh, nice to have you guys here okay so starting off let's start off with frank lampard club legend has won so many trophies for the club and i think he's been the most important player in chelsea's history ever and uh, starting off guys uh, what was your what are your thoughts on frank lampard's stint at chelsea and do you guys really think he should have been sacked uh, atya go first see i really don't rate frank lampard as a tactician he came from derby uh, after one year stint at derby where he didn't even get them to the playoffs uh, so obviously as a manager frank lampard is very inexperienced i think his tactics have been very naive to say the least but i think given the form with the work he did last season where he had had inherited a team that comes from a transfer ban and lost the best player he did a really good job but after spending 200 million this season he has been very underwhelming although his players have massively underperformed So I think it is fair to say that Frank Lampard isn't a big club manager, but maybe to sack him mid-season without giving him a complete, to allowing him to run through the season to see what he can do with the team, I think that's a little unfair. Ah, uh, that's great. Uh, Atya had some very key points there, and I think he made a fair case for why Lampard was sacked, as well as why I think experience should have been uh, one of the main things. And uh, Nand, what do you think? Yeah. Um. First, I'll go to his Derby job. I think he had done a really well. Uh, he he done a really good job at Derby. Um. It was a very um pragmatic setup he had at Derby, and I remember an FA Cup game or a Carabao Cup game he played against United, and they absolutely played us off the park. And I was very impressed with um his uh, tactical know-how. And every time I saw him as a pundit, he always gave very good insights. I, like it's a well-known fact that he has a good footballing IQ. So I, I think he's very tac- tactically aware. but with regards to this season i think one of the uh, main causal factors is the new um, new size new signings underperforming not just that but um, the previous players who um lo- who played out of their skin last last year like kovacic um, i mean they have they've, they've um ceased to impress this year and with regards to whether he should have been sacked or not i think um, i'll answer this from a general viewpoint i think any man- manager in this climate um because the results can change within 2 months right west ham are sitting fourth in the table which is very surprising this it's absolutely crazy um how the league table can change within a month 
So I think they should have waited till May to make the decision. Uh, so can I ask another question here? Uh, so when Lampard inherited his team last year, he had uh, Mason Mount, uh, Gilmer, Reece James, uh, Tomori. So he had a core of English players, right? And all around the age, uh, under the age of twenty-three. So who have grown up idolizing Frank Lampard as a player. So obviously, when Frank Lampard was the coach of Chelsea FC, they all had a person they looked up to, and uh, they really respected. So you could say that they re- performed like better than you would have expected them to. But this season, they had Timo Werner, they had Kai Havertz, uh, Hakim Ziyech, players who have already established themselves outside the club. And I think when you're spending two hundred million for a player, you don't just get a player. Their egos, their uh, attitude, all of them comes into the club. Definitely. And I think. I think Frank Lampard's failure to handle that was an issue this season. Do you think that was an important factor? Yeah, what you said is definitely true. But like, um, when you look at it from manager standpoint, imagine, um, like just when you play career mode as well, um, if if they approach you, um, which positions do you want? You give the positions. You don't normally like get what you expect. But in Frank's case, he's obviously been backed, and whatever he wanted. He got. I don't think he got the personnel that he wanted, but definitely the positions. Um, with regards to the previous players, Mason Mount has stepped up. Tomori's. Um, he's obviously gone to AC Milan now. Um, did, did you mention yeah. Billy Gilmore? Billy Gilmore, yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's like, not many minutes. Yeah, yeah, he's been in and out the squad, and yeah, I think it's definitely taken a toll on them. And um, I think I think it would have taken him more time to get up to speed. But yeah, I get your points definitely. And what about the new signings? Because you had Thiago Silva come in, you had Malang Sar who came in, and they were sent on alone. Ben Chilwell, Hakim Ziyech, as I already mentioned, Hakim Ziyech, Kai Havertz, and Timo Werner. Uh, so, how many of these signings do you think were actually necessary? Because uh, almost all these players did talk about Frank Lampard, talking to them and convincing them to join Chelsea. So, uh, see from my point of view, they already had Tammy Abraham and uh, Oliver Giroud, so they did not really need a profile that Timo Werner gives them. Mm-hmm. And you could make a similar case for Kai Havertz because he's playing as a number ten, and that's not a role that Chel- Lampard has in his usual four-three-three setup. So, how many of those signings were actually necessary to the club? Yeah. So, what we'll do is we'll let Pranav um, rename all the signings that they made, and we'll rate them. Um, uh, like, do you want to do a one to ten basis or um, one to five? Yeah. Will be good. One to ten, is it okay? Yeah, Pranav, um, just rename the um, players, bro. The signing. Okay, let's start with the uh, most famous one, Timo Werner. Um, you want to take the lead on this, Atya? Atya, yeah, I think Timo Werner. He's an excellent player, and he, to be fair to him, he's actually creating chance. He's getting chances still. I think his xG at Leipzig last season was zero point seven two per game, and right now it's gone down to zero point four four. So he's still he's making chances. Still he's having shots. He's having almost four shots per game. He's struggling to finish, but I think form will come back. As a signing, I'd rate him as a solid seven. But I, given his form in the last four months, I'd say he's uh, about four. I give him a four. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Timo's missed chances uh, is a big point here to make. And uh, Nand, what do you think of Timo Werner? Yeah, definitely. Like Althea said, it's been a surprise as to how he hasn't been able to kickstart his career here in England. I mean, not here in England, there in England. But um, Timo Werner, like Althea said, I'm I'm not sure about the XG and stuff, but he's definitely missed a few sitters. And um, many Chelsea fans uh, find the similarity between uh, his body language and um, almost Fernando Torres. You could say six months after his arrival from Liverpool, and 
um, it's it's fairly concerning how he's unable to finish chances, like which is basically his bread and butter last year. Um, I think, yeah. I think a few tactical changes. Um, I I think Timo Werner plays absolutely absolutely fine with Tammy Abraham in the side. Um, Timo Werner plays, yeah, and um, like he like. The, the thing about Timo Werner is, since they don't have a natural ball progressor when Kovac is not playing, uh, when they counter-attack, they play the ball directly to Timo. Right? What I've noticed is, it's not the finishing that concerns me. It's his ability to beat a man with pace or dribble. Like, his his close control seems really off to me. Like, um, he, 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 he loses the ball very frequently when he tries to uh, run at a man. Definitely. About the fact that he's playing in a way tougher league now than he has ever. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. The Bundesliga, in my opinion, is a very overhyped league. Yeah. Lots of spaces. It's a very open league as well. Almost all the teams play with a high press, so it's a very different change and different environment that Timo is playing. Definitely, right definitely. Okay, so that was some good analysis by Nan. Very in depth. But considering his age too, he's just twenty-four years. I think uh, I think Timo Werner could still improve. And potentially be one of uh, a great striker like such as the likes of Sergio Aguero, what he's been doing. Okay, second signing. Uh, let's go for Kai Havertz. Atya, I think Kai Havertz is absolutely unnecessary signing. I mean, they paid 80 million for a player whose profile they don't even have because Frank Lampard at Derby he played a 4-3-3 almost all the time. Last season his most preferred formation was a 4-3-3. This season, out of 19 league games, he's played a 4-3-3 13 times and. Kai Havertz does not have a place in the 4-3-3. And on top of that, the fact that they're spending 80 million on the player is, I, I think it's a nonsensical transfer. I'd give it a 1 out of 10. I'm giving it a <laughs> 1. That was very harsh. Okay, uh, Nand, what do you think of Kai Havertz? I'll come back to the 4-3-3 point because I think um, when you look at how they play when they attack and they defend, that's more important when um, when the team sheet comes out or something like that. Um, but with regards to Kai Havertz, uh, like Aditya said, it's a bit of an unnecessary signing. But what I'd say is, um, the Chelsea players have um, have this common um, common behavior when their um, when the manager is about to get sacked, they tend to down tools. When I watched that uh, last game again, I'd say Kai Havertz is the only one who was um, able to like, despite not being a deeper line midfielder, he was he was picking the ball from deep. And the thing for me about Kai Havertz is people want him to play as a fa- false nine. And not a cam or a right winger. The thing is, when he played at Bayer Leverkusen, he played with Kevin Forland as Forland um, as a num- uh, false nine, and he tend yeah. to get a lot of the ball, right? And uh, that's why I think uh, Frank made him play deep so he could see more of the ball. Like what? Um, Do- like that's why Donny was uh, shifted to a double pivot. But um, Kai Havertz, I think, is an, I, I, in my opinion, is a number ten. But he needs to see way more of the ball to be effective. So I I'd, I'd give it like um three out of ten. Okay, okay, some great points here as well. Okay, both of these players, twenty four years and twenty one years, first time in a foreign country. I think we should give them uh, give them some more time. Atya. Yeah, definitely they do need more time. But the thing about giving them time is, Timo Werner, he's he's a good striker. He's got good qualities that a forward needs to have. He's got pace. He can dribble. He's got excellent positioning, especially around the box. So, I, you'd see Timo Werner actually being able to adapt under a new manager. I think Kai Havertz, it's a little difficult because, number one, his uh, free 80 million, that is going to come on a lot of pressure as well. And it's going to make it harder for Chelsea to sell him to another club. 
if he does work on his defensive ability, if he does work improve his reading of the game, he could work out. But right now, I think for Chelsea, Kai Havertz is definitely behind Mason Mount in the starting level. Uh, and Nan. Yeah, like Althea said, um, Kai Havertz is like you could say is below Mason Mount because now they're shifted to a four-three-three. But I think um, long term, I think both of them still have a future. For me, at first, I thought only Timo has a future, and Kai was looking very poor. But then, um, in recent events, his body language has shown that he wants to stay at like he wants to improve with the club. So I think yeah, like they'll definitely improve under um, Tuchel. Okay. So next we have uh, Hakim Ziyech from Ajax. Uh, I love Hakim Ziyech actually because uh, I love Ajax as a club and I've watched a lot of Ajax football over the last three years. And he he's a really good player for them on the right wing. He's hugged the touchline almost. So and given Frank Lampard's tactics, because Frank Lampard is very reliant on his fullbacks, and he does his teams do have a huge big crossing volume. They average twenty two crosses per game. So, I think Hakim Ziyech, in that sense, he's an excellent fit to Chelsea. He has struggled a bit in the beginning, but I think he will come through because he's had his injury issues as well and it's a new country, it's a new language, stuff that he has to adapt to. And I, it will happen. So, I think Hakim Ziyech is a good signing, maybe one of the best in recent years. I'll give him a 7. As a signing, I'll give him a 7. Okay, alright. And Nand, what do you think? Yeah, on um, Hakim Ziyech, I think he's an absolutely terrific player. Um, evident in how they played during the Champions League when uh, Dusan Tadic was injured. He absolutely um, honed that right-hand side despite being a number 10 for um, most of his youth years. Um, he has he has an absolutely terrific delivery from the um, left-hand side. I've seen, uh, from the right-hand side, I've seen so many um, crosses being put into the box, not, not only for the forward, but for uh, someone on the left wing like uh, Pulisic or Ruano. Um, he creates so many chances. He's, he's almost like a mini Bruno Fernandez. And um, but the thing about the thing for me is character is very important. And in the last game, it, it seems like he was like in the last few games, game weeks, he was not performing to the level. I I don't know. Maybe it's the injury, but it looked like he was very disinterested. But I think there's more to come from Hakim Ziyech. All right. So our uh, next transfer is the uh, left back from Leicester, Ben Chilwell. Can I go uh, first on this? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, I didn't rate Ziak. Okay, he was an eight. Uh, for Ben Chilwell, um, I'll I'll give it a zero. Yeah. So for me, uh, the two left backs that were um there prior to Ben Chilwell were Emerson Palmieri and um Marco Alonso, right? Um, yes. They struggled to find a partner um mid season last year for Zuma, and they found that in Thiago Silva. And the reason they needed a left back is they needed someone who could run up and down the flanks, right? Um, the only thing good about Chilwell's defensive contributions is he can stop crosses. Other than that, one-on-one situations, interceptions, tackles, he's absolutely shite. The only upgrade he has on Marcos Alonso and Emerson Palmieri is probably the dribbles into the um, into the um, into the box and like crosses and stuff like that. But if you're buying a left back. Um, then I think that was a terrible decision by Frank, which like it, it makes no sense to me because um, they would have done better to scout somewhere else, not in England. All right, Atya, what do you think of Ben Chilwell? did make some really good points there because I think because the market there really were some good fullbacks. Uh, Valencia was selling their players because they needed funds and Jose Gaya. Definitely, yeah, that's the one I was looking at too. Uh, only twenty-five years yeah, old. Then they, 
yeah yeah tagliafico at ajax he's another quality left back he's better than ben chilwell defensively but he doesn't without compromising on his attacking abilities plus there are, there are so many more young fullbacks coming up so young left backs we barcelona we were looking to sell junior ferco he's another good left back he's got good height he's would really work well so basically frank lampard is very reliant on his wing backs and i like i mentioned they do have a big uh, they do rely heavily on crossing so i think with that mindset that ben chilwell was signed without actually considering the defense that they set up and in the current defense i think ben chilwell is slightly the odd man out because reece james has really upped his game in the over the season uh, zuma is performing thiago silva is performing but ben chilwell is an unnecessary signing i'd give him a 3 though okay uh, well rated guys so uh, next we have uh, thiago silva on a free transfer from psg Yeah, yeah I'll go for it. I think um, Thiago Silva has been an eight or ten, considering he's um, he's about thirty five, thirty six years old. Um, I think he's done well to adapt to to the Prem. But like he was absolutely terrific for. I can remember his AC Milan days where I watched him in the Champions League, and his um, his his what do you say? His passing range and his um, positional sense is very good. And I I thought he struggled to adapt to the Premier League, especially while playing on the same flank as um, Ben Chilwell, who does like nothing to support him basically. um in the smaller games he's done well but in individual games such as west brom which albion and i can remember the man city game where he got turned by gundogan um i think he'll cost you points but like which defender doesn't make and i and i think a 36 year old on a free transfer you can afford to make a few mistakes arta see i like thiago silva as a defender he's very very experienced he's played at milan he's played at psg for so many years now but look at the signing because he's 35 or almost 36 i think and he's got maybe one year or two years max as starter left in his career and now they had tomori they had malang sar and they loaned both of them out the idea should have been to groom one of those two at chelsea while allowing them to learn from thiago silva while allowing them to share minutes with thiago silva i think to sell both of them and then have thiago silva as an undoubted starter in the 11 i think that is a bit of business by chelsea because it is not isn't looking towards the future and thiago silva definitely isn't a long term option so as a short term option thiago silva is a brilliant signing he's a brilliant defender and you know you could argue that he's an upgrade over any center back chelsea had rudiger christensen almost any one of them but the way they've handled the other transfers around thiago silva has been poor so i think i'll give him a second Uh, so, boys. Next, uh, we have uh, Edward Mendy, and uh, he's quite a replacement for Jaffa. Arthur, uh, do you want to start? Yeah. So, Edward Mendy, he's he's a good keeper, and he's he's obviously been an upgrade over Kepa. But when you look at Kepa, he's at Kepa as a player is downright bad. There's no justification to Kepa because he's been he was average at Athletic Bilbao. Then they broke the record fee to sign him. and then he underperformed at chelsea and i think anyone would have expected that and when they were looking to replace kepa they should have signed a world class keeper ajax had on onana and he was worth 35 million or so they could have because they instead of spending money on kai havertz instead of spending that much money on ben chilwell i think they could have spent a 15 million extra and gone for a world class keeper because mendy is good but i don't think he's a world class keeper i don't think he's a keeper that any club which wants to play champions league football or wants to get into the top four should have all right uh, nand what do you think yeah i think ex- some excellent points by alicia there but um on men- like i think if you uh, go back to kepa for a minute 
Um, I think I'll, I'll remember the two performances against uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona towards the end of the season, which made them pay that crazy fee. Um, but it was a bit of a panic buy, so I think you can excuse them for that. With regards to Mendy, I think his height helps him a lot. And um, I, I remember the first two months of the Prem season. I, I think the first first um, first seven game weeks of the Prem season where Chelsea were do- like kept a lot of clean sheets, and then they were overhyping him too much. I like everyone knew that he wasn't. Like he, he was an upgrade on Kepa, definitely, but he he isn't world class or anything. So yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. All right. I think I'd rate him a six. I'd give him a. Ah, I'd go know, seven. I think he's six. not been bad. So uh, next we have the last transfer, Malang Sar from Nice. I don't think we can rate this one really because. Yeah, it's impossible because he's playing at Porto right now, and he was 19. They signed him on a free. Made sense on paper because he's a young full centre back. He could take over from Thiago Silva, but then they sent him on a loan, so it's really impossible. Right, to do you guys right think that maybe Chelsea should have kept Malang Sar uh, to just bolster their defence uh, instead of loaning him out to Porto? Me personally, yeah, go for yes, it. Yes, definitely. Yeah, Nant, go. Okay. I'll take it. So basically, Malang Sar isn't a Premier League starting quality centre back right now. I think it's as simple as that. He was starting in the League One, but it's a big jump to the Premier League. The ideal scenario would have been if they sold Rudiger or Christensen and then kept Malang Sar as a third centre back, rotating him in for Thiago Silva in the FA Cup in league matches every once in a while, getting him maybe a thousand minutes a season or so for another two years, and then getting him into the starting lineup. They could have done that with Malangsar if they didn't trust Tomori, or they could have done that with Tomori without signing Malangsar. But as Malangsar, he's got good qualities for a centre back, but he's very raw at the moment. So I think he does have a future at Chelsea, but he needs to stay at Chelsea for that. I don't think a loan deal to the Portuguese uh, club That's is point. Uh, Nand, what do you think? Yeah, I'd agree with Alti again there, but um, like I, I wouldn't have uh, detained um, what's his name uh, Malangsar, but I would have kept um, Fikayut Tomori because. Um, I think I watched the um, um, Inter Milan versus AC Milan yesterday, and um, I, I think defensively, d- defensively the two um, Premier League impo- um, imports, which were Diogo Dalo and um, Tomori, looked really good, and like they broke the deadlock with a free kick. But I think he has, I think he has good potential, but he's very raw, like Althea said. All right, so we've now rated all of uh, Frank Lampard's transfers. So, guys, in depth, where do you think it went wrong for Frank Lampard? What was the most important point you'll stress upon, which is why Frank Lampard got sacked? Uh, Okay, I'll start. Uh, So, basically, when you look at Frank Lampard's performance against the top six clubs last season, he had four wins, uh, but he lost five and he drew one. So, out of ten games, four wins, 40% win success, and that isn't great. But when you look at the signings, uh, players he had, it's it's okay, and you know it's his first season. This season, out of five games, he's won none. He's won absolutely no games. He's uh, lost three and drawn two. So I think that does have an effect on the way the board sees him because you want your manager to win the best games, especially after you've spent two hundred million. You want them winning the important games, and that wasn't happening. Like I already mentioned, their XG per ninety has dropped. Their points for 90 has dropped. Their XG against uh, per 90 has increased. So, although uh, I, it is an, only a small difference, the performances are uh, dropping when the when actually the 
players they have are better this season. So I think Frank Lampard buying players uh, for two hundred million in a single window, especially with COVID and everything, and then not giving results mm. immediately has affected the team. Has affected the, what the management thinks about him as well. And I think you have to look at the fact that Thomas Tuchel is world class. He's thrown himself at Dortmund and PSG. So when he's available, he's currently unemployed. I think they. That did also affect uh, his sacking to an All right, uh, Nand, what do you think about uh, Frank Lampard? What went wrong for him? Yeah, quite a few points on that. But with regards to the big games, right? Um, Manchester United have won um, none of the games they've played against um, the traditional top six this season, and I think we're sitting pretty high on the table. So as long as you pick up points against the smaller teams, I don't think. A manager should be assessed in his performance in the big games, as long as you pick up draws or something like that. And um, with regards to why, where it all went wrong, I think um, one is the uh, the players, the positions were de- like the players were definitely improved and the positions were strengthened, but it didn't strengthen the system. If you get what I mean, um, there's there's a com- like there's a complete lack of cohesion in the front line. And I think he would have done better to stick with um, the previous players and try to develop them. Um, and I think one of the main reasons is the defense. Right, L- last year when you looked at them, they lost thirteen matches and they finished fourth, which is uh, which is basically unheard of in a Premier League season. So you could you could say that most of their worries were the, their defense, and you could say that people who had an abysmal abysmal season. So you would imagine they would strengthen their um, backline with. You know the world class players, and rather they went for the forward line, which I don't think required that much strength uh, in any way. Um, I think there's a there's a slight shift in his tactics this year as well. Like you don't um, you see too um, you see too many overlapping wing players, and then what happens is the front three um, are overly dependent on the fullbacks, like Althea said, for all their creativity. They hardly like um, what comes as a surprise is they have. Um, they have more possession than Manchester City, which is the team Pranav supports, and they struggle. They absolutely struggle to create chances, which is, um, which is basically giving evidence to the fact that there's no cohesion in that team. All right, and I think yeah, I also have to add that the players Definitely. have let him down to a certain extent because. Okay, out of 19 league games this season, Chelsea have actually underperformed their xG in 12 of those games. Meaning, if they were support, they've scored less goals than the quality of chances they've created. So basically, even if they have been playing well at times, it doesn't show in the results. And out of 19 games, they have only eight wins. They've drawn five and lost six. So their performances have obviously come down from last season. But I think the results have reflected to be even worse. That's why they're sitting ninth right now. While actually the underlying metrics would have them sitting maybe third or fourth. So that is also a factor because when you don't look at the underlying stats and when you only look at the performances for what they are, it does tell right. a different story. So uh, with that, we've come to the end of uh, Frank Lampard and his tenure at Chelsea. We wish him the best of luck for his future. And uh, next, coming to Thomas Tuchel, uh, who is the new Chelsea hire uh, for uh, the post of manager. Altia, what do you think about about Thomas Tuchel? I think... See, I, I, I absolutely yeah. love Thomas Tuchel, but I think... I'll yeah, because I, yeah, I think he has a lot to say on Tuchel. So, I'll, I'll give my small bit um, before that. I, I personally don't rate uh, Thomas Tuchel and um, I'd let Aditya convince me otherwise. But um, what comes to mind is, um, in the like, their the Champions League runs were very... Um, what, like, the, that PSG team is very beatable. And I was so... Um, I was 
I was absolutely disheartened when we lost that second fixture this year. Um, there, there was this game. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember it. Um, it happened during the Bar- the the Barca comeback against PSG. So it was uh, Borussia Dortmund versus um, Monaco, right? So what happened is they were like they just needed uh, they just needed to win that game to uh, I, I think it was the round of sixteen or something. Um, Pulisic and Dembele were absolutely flying, and they went into that strong uh, Monaco side with Mbappe and uh, Fabinho and stuff like that. And yeah. what he did that game, I think he tried to be over smart, <laughs> and he played three at the back, and he dropped both Pulisic and Dembele. Who were the main source of goals? I was I was stunned when he did that, and uh, they obviously lost that game and got knocked out of the Champions League. I think when it comes to a manager, you need to have a certain um, the word I that word the word that comes to mind is charisma. I don't think he has the I don't think he he gives off the vibe that he is a top four manager. Manager is going to give win the league. Say that about Solskjaer as well, but uh, I I don't think he has what it takes to cut it at Chelsea. All right, Aditya, what do you think of Actually, basically, Thomas Thomas Tuchel, he's done some brilliant work at Mainz. First, he succeeded Jurgen Klopp at Mainz, and that, then he succeeded Jurgen Klopp at Borussia Dortmund. And I think the team he took over was in absolute shambles that time. And he almost basically built a team from scratch. He got he gave minutes to Christian Pulisic. He gave minutes to he signed Usman Dembele. Uh, he had Rafael Guerrero. He had, uh, I think, the whole crop of players there. He almost completely signed them and developed them into what they were and got them challenging for trophies because the team that uh, Tuckle inherited in, in 2015, 2015 when he was signed, was in absolute shambles. They weren't even challenging for the European places in the Bundesliga. Uh, what I like about Tuckle is he's, he's got two sides. So basically, Borussia Dortmund and PSG and they both showed like different sides of Thomas Tuchel. Like Borussia Dortmund, he did a really good job at working with youngsters. He had a team of uh, raw talents like Usman Dembele had come from the League One. Pulisic had was just coming up. Some he was an American national and he was just coming up. He had Castro. He had Rafael Guerrero, like I mentioned. He bought the best out of Aubameyang and Marco Roy. And now when you look at this Chelsea team, the average age is 25 years and 88 days. Right? So they have Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, Hakim Ziyech, and uh, even the midfield, Mason Mount, Kovacic, uh, ben, uh, defensively they have Ben Chilwell, Zuma. A lot of these players are approaching their prime or at an age where they need to work under a world-class manager. And I think Thomas Tuchel does brilliantly with young talents. So that is one area where he will help Chelsea. And he also has consistently been overperforming expectations. He did that at Mainz. He got Mainz to a fifth place finish when they were actually finishing 13th or 14th in the Bundesliga table. Then he came to Dortmund, got them to second place in his first season, won a Portugal Cup in his second, came to PSG. And PSG, obviously, I think it's PSG, it's unfair to compare him because uh, PSG win the league one almost every season. So, what I like about his work at PSG is the way he handled the big names there. Compared to his Dortmund side, PSG already had world-class players and finished players who were going for trophies, not who, not players who needed to develop. And Tuckle actually handled Neymar, Mbappe, Icardi, Matuidi, like big names, big egos, all in the same dressing room. And he had them, like I think, I wouldn't say he kept them in line all the time. They still had protocol violations. They still attend parties. Lewis Hamilton's party that Neymar attended, they had their protocol violations. But on the field, I think he did a really good job with them. He 
uh, improved. I think from what Unai Emery had, he got them playing a better brand of football with a worse midfield because he had Verratti injured for long spells. And he had to he he had Rabiot leave. He Draxler was axed from the squad, and he but still he managed to handle the egos. He managed to handle the big names there, and got them to a Champions League finals. And actually, I'd say he outcoached Hansi Flick because the UEFA Champions League finals I watched. I'd say Paris Saint Germain were the better team that night. And if Neymar and Mbappe had finished one of the chances that they usually finish in the training ground in the League One games in the other games after the Champions League final, we would have been looking at a different story today. Uh, but one obvious downside of Tuchel is he's a very volatile manager, right? So he doesn't get along with the board easily. He quit Mainz because he wasn't getting funds there. He quit Dortmund because uh, he had a uh, he he had a misunderstanding with Michael Zorg, the director over there. He quit uh, PSG after a rift with uh, Leonardo. So he's not a really not really a manager who is a com- calm and composed person. He's a very volatile manager, but I think on the field his tactical ability right. is also. If you yeah. don't mind, can I pose a question to Aditya? Sure, sure, no worries. Yeah, Aditya. Um, like you mentioned before, I think you said um. He uh, Lampard played a four-three-three, right? So this is a bit of a there's a bit more of the tactical part of it. Yeah. Um, I think he shifted to a four-two-three-one when he realized yeah. that um Jorginho couldn't play as the fulcrum anymore, and um like he did some stupid stuff at the end of mm-hmm. it where he played um Kovacic as the lone DM. But with regards to Tuchel, I'm not very yeah. well aware um about what uh tactical what 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 his tactical setup is. So, can you give us a little bit more insight into that, and and which players do you think it'll suit? So basically, yeah, I'll get to that. So, Tuchel when he started at Dortmund, he started with a four-three-three, right? And if you look at that four-three-three, I think Chelsea have the exact same pieces to play at midfield. He had a midfield with uh, Julian Weil playing as a lone CDM, and I think if not Georgie, he will try Jorginho in that role. And if Jorginho doesn't work, I Think uh, Tuchel would move Jorginho very soon, or I can't take good work that in that role, but he wouldn't give us the same technical ability uh, that uh, Tuchel likes over there. Then he ha- played Gundogan in a role in the midfield where he wasn't really an I'd say a box-to-box role, but mostly a, a slightly defensive-minded box-to-box midfielder. So he would make the late runs, he would try to make the second runs and get into the D. But his most his uh, focus was mainly on adding, the, uh, providing some defensive stability to the midfield, and the third I think I think Kovacic would be excellent in this role, and uh, the third midfielder was a creator midfielder which uh, Tuchel started with Shinji Kagawa, and uh, the, so uh, Chelsea obviously he has Mason Mount for that role, he has Kai Havertz for that role, he could mould Kai Havertz into playing that role. But Tuchel, uh, he didn't stick to the 4-3-3 because uh, in one window, he lost Mkhitaryan and Gunduan, who were two very important players to his system. So, he shifted to a 3-4-3 diamond. And if I, I think it is an extreme comparison, but the 3-4-3 diamond that we saw under Tuchel is the closest thing we've seen to Johan Kraya's 3-4-3 diamond. He had three men at the back, one CDM, again Julian Weil playing in between the lines, a line of three. And then a, f- a line of three with Usman Dembele, Castro, and uh, Rafael Guerrero usually. And then the front three with Pulisic, uh, Aubameyang, and Marco Roy. And that is the team that won the Portugal Cup. And that was, I think, a 3 4 3 is still not sustainable. So it's very unlikely that we will see it at Chelsea. But it was an excellent uh, year for uh, Thomas Tuchel because he, 
out coached almost every single coach he played against in the Bundesliga. Then coming on to PSG, he stuck to a 4-3-3 usually because he had the pieces. He had way better players than he did in uh, Dortmund. He stuck to a 4-3-3, but mostly it was a 4-3-3 false nine with Neymar in the center, Kylian Mbappe on the left and Anil Di Maria on the right. And his signings also helped this because none of Neymar, Mbappe and Di Maria are... I mean, Di Maria is an excellent... Uh, Hardware, excellent. Uh, he's got an excellent work rate, but Neymar and Di Maria uh, and Mbappe, both of them don't give you the defensive contribution that you would in a team that presses as high as Tuckle. So he stopped, played a more pragmatic midfield with Ander Herrera and, uh, uh, like I already mentioned, Martin uh, Berati was there and Martin was playing in the midfield. So he played a more pragmatic midfield, but he uh, in, basically integrated Neymar in as a false nine, and that is something Chelsea fans do want to see with Kai Havertz. So, it is a possible tactical uh, setup that uh, Tuckle could look at. But I think Tuckle, the best thing about him is he's not very rigid about his formation. He's tried a 3 5 2, he's tried a 3 4 3, he's tried a 4 4 2, he's tried a 4 2 2 2. So, he does experiment with formations and he could pick guys. So, it's, I, I say 4 3 3 would be Tuckle's go to formation. But it is not the only formation that he can play. He can play other formations without actually compromising. All right. Uh, so, uh, my next question. Who do you guys think would have any other manager who Chelsea could have signed, signed uh, instead of uh, Thomas Tuchel? Okay. okay. Yeah, um, I think they were looking at three okay. possibilities, which were Tuchel, uh, Nagelsmann and uh, Allegri. Um, I think I, I don't think they would have gone for Allegri because of the... Like they've tried Italian managers in the past, and I don't think it's suited to the um, like since it's a results business, I don't think it's suited to the to uh Roman Nagelsmann. Uh, I, I don't know what Arthur's thoughts are on Nagelsmann. I think he, he's definitely a good manager, but I think he can, I, I think he's a he, um, the term I'll use is he, he's a reactionary manager, not a um, a proactive manager. So I think, uh, similar you, you could say similar to Ollie, he like he. He does best in games where he knows the manager or uh, the opposition manager has a rigid setup and is gonna play the same system with similar players. And I think he knows how to, um, you could say, um, counterpose that that system. I don't think he had uh, like he's developed the right um, he's developed the right system for RB Leipzig yet. And like, but it'll be fun to watch because he's very good at creating um solutions for. Um, the opposition manager's tactics. So, I, I think I would have gone for Nagelsmann. See, I, I like none said about Nagelsmann. He's a very pragmatic manager. He sets his team based on the opposition. He's he's a brilliant mind. He's actually worked, he used to be a player under Thomas Tuchel, and now he's a, he's a really good player, manager. He's so got a brilliant system, and he he knows how to think his game out. He knows how to out outsmart the opposition manager. But I think one important factor we have to take into consideration is that it is mid season right now. So a lot of managers are actually being are currently employed with clubs, and they would not be looking to leave their clubs right now because they've got their project that they have a settled job, and to come to Chelsea with such high expectations in the middle of a season without a proper preseason and with barely a week left in the transfer window. I think it would be hard for them to find managers who are currently employed at a club. But I think one important, one interesting option for them would have been Gallardo at River Plate. Because for me, if you look at the players Chelsea have, they have Pulisic and Ziyech who work well in the wider areas of the pitch. 
they have uh, Timo Werner, who's a secondary striker, they are, and who would work really well behind Tammy Abraham or Olivier Giroud. So a four-four-two is probably Chelsea's best players if you're trying to fit in all the new signings. And Gallardo's go-to formation at River Plate is a four-four-two. So if you're looking at that sort of a fit, I think Gallardo would have been a really interesting choice for them to consider. But because of the current situation, because uh, it's mid-season and Tuchel was actually unemployed, I think he is a sensible signing at least. Uh, and he obviously his uh, he has proven himself before, so it is a good signing. Uh, All right. Uh, so guys, one more. Who do you think is the player who will profit the most out of Thomas uh, Thomas Tuchel's uh, hire in at Chelsea? Yeah, I don't know whether it will be start? because of his system, but I think Timo Werner has to come good um, at some point. And I think if um, Tuchel plays Pulisic and um, like he used to do with Pulisic and Dembele, like I mentioned, I think uh, Callum Hudson Callum Hudson Odoi could have a very important part to play in the next um, part of the season. I don't think Jorginho will be very useful. All right, uh, Altia, who do you think? So, basically, I think Olivier Giroud is done at Chelsea now. I think uh, Tuchel can't accommodate a player like Giroud in his system. Uh, basically, Tuchel loves pay- players with pace in his attack. Like you've seen uh, Aubameyang, you've seen Marco Roy, you've seen Dembele, Pulisic, Neymar, Mbappe, Di Maria. You've seen a long list of players who have speed and who have worked in this front line. So, I, I think Hakim Ziyech and Pulisic are both players who would benefit because... Uh, Tuckle's system is based on creating side overloads and then using switches to uh, catch the opponent off guard. And uh, Hakim Ziyech, especially with his vision, as Nand already mentioned, would be a beautiful fit in this system. If he does play the exact same style that he had played at PSG or had played at Dortmund. And obviously, I think Kai Havertz and uh, Timo Werner, they have the German connection with Tuckle. So, he would understand them better. He's probably watched them at the Bundesliga when they have played at the lower level before the, all the hype and before all the fame. So, he would understand those players. He's worked with Thiago Silva. He's worked with Pulisic. So, I think players he's worked with before would have an advantage over players who he hasn't worked with before. I think um, Kante, Kante's time could be over at Chelsea. Uh, Olivier Giroud's time could be over at Chelsea. But for the youngsters, uh, Callum Hudson-Odai, as none mentioned, uh, Reese James, all of them, and as well as the other names who I've mentioned, who would fit into his uh, program. Right. I think I already said what I um, wanted. Oh, but yeah. Can I come to you, lads, quickly? Um, so, since we're talking about the Premier League and Chelsea, um, where do you think they'll finish and what are your lads' top four predictions? Uh, see, uh, it's hard to say because uh, Tuckle has to win over the players first, right? Because he's looking at a core of players who are currently playing very dysfunctional football and he doesn't have time. He doesn't have time to win them over. His first game is already coming up now. So, he needs time to settle in with the team and, uh, you know, he needs time to understand his players. I think top four is expected of Chelsea and I think it's possible they will get a top four. But may, they're not going to be challenging for the title to say least. I think if I had to predict the top four right now, I'd say Man City first, uh, Liverpool second, uh, Manchester United third and Chelsea I think uh, Chelsea are already about 12 points off the top right now and they're sitting in 10th. So, I think I think fifth or sixth or maybe luckily fourth, fourth, fifth, sixth would be uh, maximum how much they can finish the season. 
my top four predictions would be uh, City, United, Liverpool, and uh, Tottenham. Is that in that order? United second, Liverpool third. Yeah, you you United guys would be lucky if you come second. In fact, so I think City, United, yes, obviously in order. Yeah, then that makes sense. I, I'd go with the same as uh, Pranav. I think Spurs will finish fourth, and Chelsea. I can see them getting fifth or sixth. Yeah, I, I rate very uh, evident a lot, and I think he could do really good. But <laughs> so I, I mean, I think realistically, uh, fifth yeah. place, fifth place finish would be good for Chelsea right now, and because Spurs are doing pretty well this season. Uh, so maybe your top four is sensible, but I think with my tackle bias, I would say. Okay, guys. So we've had a very good talk today. I would like one last. Uh, I would like to ask one last question. What are your predictions for Tuchel's reign at Chelsea? Atago. See, uh, Tuchel. He's uh, like I said. He's a volatile manager, and because uh, Roman is also very famous for. I think Roman has already fired fourteen managers in his era at Chelsea. So it will not end well. It's simple as that. He will get fired. It's a question of whether it's one season or two seasons. But I think in that season, I do see them doing very well. I'd say at least one top three finish and at least one All FA right, Cup or now. a League Cup will happen. For me, I think the player that defined his career at Chelsea will be Jorginho. Um, like Altia said, Weigel and um, Verratti played that. Uh, you can't call it the destroyer role. You can say the controller role, right? Um, very well, and I think if he can, you know, regain the form he had two years back, I think I think he'll have a very good stay at Chelsea. But I, I, me personally, um, I, th- I think he's done within. If he doesn't make top six this year, he's uh, this he's done. If he does, I'll give him two years max. All right, uh, great stuff from you, lads. Today, uh, we'd just like to wish Frank Lampard a good future and uh, Tuchel a good time at Chelsea. All right, see you, lads. Have a good one, guys. See you, guys.